Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. My mission is to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real-life tactics, and favorite tools to inspire and empower you, mommy, to get the most out of life every single unpredictable day. So grab your headphones, tell your kids you're on the potty, and tune in weekly for some laughs, knowledge bombs, and plenty of real talk with real moms, and maybe a dad or two. Welcome to the Mommy Pod. Welcome back to Mommy's on a Call. Today, I'm excited to bring to you Amanda Getz. Amanda is a single mom of three kids and the founder and CEO of House of Wise, a wellness company empowering women to give more purposeful intention to their routine so that they can take better control of their lives. Her CBD products empower women to take control of their sleep, sex, and stress, while also giving women the opportunity to create wealth by selling the products in a non-MLM sort of way. But Amanda's journey has not always been easy. From infertility, miscarriage, a failed startup, divorce, to leaving her role as the VP of marketing of The Not Worldwide in the middle of the global pandemic while homeschooling three kids, Amanda is an inspiration to all moms out there that you can achieve anything. Welcome, Amanda. Oh my goodness. That sounded exhausting. (laughs) I can't believe I lived that. (laughs) Honestly, hearing your story, which we can go into a little, is just so inspirational. And honestly, and I guess you are in your like mid thirties now and to have accomplished all of that with three kids is quite a feat. But I wanted to start off by asking, what was your biggest mom win of the week? Oh, well, so my kids, I'm a single mom, but we, we do 50, 50. So I have a co-parent. So yesterday I got my kids back on Wednesday and I will say that transition days are very, very difficult for me and the kids. It's like, just like anyone, if you haven't seen your partner, imagine not seeing your husband for a week and then you like see him again. It takes a second to like reconnect. And kids are the same way when you're a divorced parent. And so you have to kind of reconnect. But I think my mom win was last night. I read a book that my daughter was like super, super excited about. And I was very present. You know how we can read books and literally we can have full thought processes while we're reading the book. I'm like, good night, moon, good night. And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to do this email and this. But last night I was very present. And so I, I call that like, that's a big win for me when I can truly, truly like enjoy and be in the moment and be like, oh my gosh, what does he do next? And like, get really excited. So that was my win. That is a good win. And being present is really hard because we sit there and even in between things like bath time, like you want to be present, but then you're like, oh, look, my phone just chimed. Like they're just sitting there in the bath. Let me look at it, you know? And so that is a win for sure. And to give the audience a little bit of context, I know you're a single mom and you said you co-parent 50-50, but what are kind of the roles that you and, you know, how do you manage that co-parenting? What does your schedule look like? And again, what are the ages of your children? Yeah. So they're eight, six, and four. We've been separated now for four years. So you can imagine, do the math. They were very young at the time. And I'm very, very honest in the fact that we were married for a very long time. He is a good human. What I struggled with in my marriage was I was 
what they call a single married mom, meaning I was doing all of the things by myself while he had his career and was out and building, but that just wasn't the relationship dynamic I wanted. I wanted a 50, 50 partner and I didn't have that. And so it wasn't that he's a bad dad. It was that I wanted a true equal partnership on the domestic side. And so through divorce, I got that. And it's interesting because I have a couple of reframes that are, I guess, kind of controversial or hot takes, but since our divorce and since COVID, cause I had the kids by myself for the year of, for the school year of COVID the full time, because he had wow. to stay in New York city since COVID. And I'm like, okay, I got through divorce. I got through a fucking global pandemic, <laughs> started a business. I took this new approach when we moved to Miami a couple of months ago at the start of this past school year, I was like, what's the mentality of a dad? Like, like if I were to say, take that secondary parent role, what does that mean? Because his business was more established by then. And he lives in the town that the kids go to school. I do not. I live about 30 minutes away. And so it's a lot harder for me to get there at the drop of a hat if somebody forgets something at home. So I was like thinking through it. And I'm like, I'm going to become the secondary parent instead of the primary now. They're raised. I breastfed them. I did all the baby stuff. But right now I'm kind of putting my career first and I'm putting myself first. And so he's the first phone number for the schools. They call him first and we do one week on one week off. And the beauty of that is for the week that he has the kids, he has to stay on top of what homework they have, what the teachers are saying. Do they have a project due? Then on the weeks I have them, I have to catch up on what was what's due, what are they working on, et cetera. But I wish that we would talk more about co-parenting prior to divorce, because there are some things that I have learned through our now, you know, divorce life co-parenting partnership that I think would benefit so many married couples. And I was just talking about this this past weekend with a friend. She was struggling. She's a very career driven woman. I was like, what would happen? I was just like, hypothetically, if you said Mondays and Tuesdays, they're your kids, meaning you're responsible for what are they eating? Did they get home from school? Do they have homework? Did the nanny, like whatever, right? They're your kids. And you get to kind of cognitively put other things things like work and yourself on the front burner. Then Wednesdays, Thursdays, they're your kids. You're like, what do they need for school? I'm packing snacks. I'm picking them up, et cetera. Friday, you guys are together. You do it together. Maybe you do something family. Saturday, you get a sitter date night, like whatever. And then Sunday is just family day, lazy day, whatever. But like, what if we started to have this mentality for married couples that they are truly, truly co-parenting? So have you heard of um, Fair Play by Eve Rodsky? So kind of that, but instead of like time blocks, it's uh, by tasks. So it's like you are always responsible for lunch. I won't micromanage you. I won't like ask you, nag you. That's your card to have. It's a little different, but that is an interesting take. And there was another one that I like saw where it was like you break up Friday through Sunday by time blocks. So it's like the m like morning of Saturday, this is like your time. The afternoon is like family time and things like that. But I love that concept of like what happens if you tried co-parenting 
to give also the other perspective on what your lived experience is, because I read that you were married at 19. And so having these kids, having a different life, you're a different person now. Yeah. And so living in this ideal that you take care of everything, basically having four children, not three. It is. That's interesting. They should do that in therapy. Like you're going to be a co-parent for a month. Right. Well, it's, it's interesting because when I don't have the kids, people ask me like, what's that feeling like? And it is a level of focus that I can get to on my work because I know I don't have to check my phone because the school's not calling me. I don't have to think about am I on lunch duty? It's truly, truly like off of my mind. And I think married couples could get there if they actually like, rather than the task oriented, it's time oriented. As a mom though, I know a lot of moms struggle with actually detaching from that idea. I have a lot of, unfortunately, mom friends who got divorced during the pandemic being forced together really like brought out a lot of issues that they had to face. And one of the things that some of them were struggling with was this idea of when I'm not with the kids, like feeling almost guilty that you have that time freedom to do things. Did that ever affect you? Or like, how did you approach kind of the feeling of, I don't have my kids, but I am still a mom, but I don't have to be a mom right now. I embraced it. Like being a mom is when you're on, you're on. And so for those people that are not with their kids. Like, of course I still think about my kids. Of course I do. But for me, I got married so young. I focused my twenties, like a check the box to-do list. I was so focused on my corporate career. I was so focused on being a good wife and maintaining the house and then starting to have kids and going through fertility treatments. And I'm like, I only have one life. And we deserve joy. We deserve pleasure. We deserve to play. And for me, I just am like, this is my time. And I I love myself. And I've, that's been a lot of therapy to be like, it's okay. And the other thing you have to remember is you can feel and hold space for two competing emotions at once. I can feel sad that I don't have my kids and excited that I am going on a date or going out with my girlfriends. You can hold space for those two things. One does not diminish the other. And so to me, it's just like acknowledging both of them is important. How do you feel like you structure the time between when you're with your kids, like the work and the kids part, and then the weeks that you don't have your kids? Like, do you like almost put on two different hats during those different weeks? And like, do you think that this situation has actually, well, helped you in a sense, become a better entrepreneur? Being a mom makes you a better entrepreneur. You're so fucking efficient with your time. In my corporate life, I had this whole pushing against the boundary of outcomes versus output. And I would challenge everybody. I mean, I've been that since I was a little kid, I would be like, why do we do it that way? You know, like I'm always that person, but I struggled in the corporate world. because I was like, why do I have to sit here till five when from eight to 11, I got more work done than that dude over there. Who's been like tapping on 8,000 tabs looking around. And so I'm like, I'm being punished with a lack of autonomy and independence for my efficiency. And I could never sink that in my brain. And so it was, it's awesome to start a company now that 
is fully rooted on outcomes over output and having a really, really, we're a four day work week. We are 70% async, 30% synced, meaning if you know what your goals are and we have a very regimented tracking of those goals and we've aligned on how you want to achieve those goals. And I, I'm aware of the things you're working on. We have touch bases throughout the week that are async via email, Slack, et cetera. Then I don't care when you work and I don't care how many hours you work because you know what numbers you have to hit. Right? So for me, my weeks with my kids for sure are different because in the morning, because I live further away from the school, we're up. We got to get three kids dressed, three kids snack bags packed and three kids out the door to school. And then I work from a co-working space because I want to be near their school. I hate driving. So I've eliminated that as much as possible. Then I'll like walk to the gym, get a little workout in, go get them. And the nighttime is just, you know, you go into the nighttime mode of, chaos you park the car it's from the second you park the car it's like three kids backed up this yeah. one's in this one this <laughs> one's in this. okay someone needs pajamas the water's too hot over here and you're running back and forth and then all of a sudden you're like okay everybody's in a bathtub and my kids won't drown because they're you know older now so i'm like okay three kids in bathtub we're good now dinner time run over to the kitchen what am i making for dinner and you just like get all that figured out then get the kids out of the bathtub they eat then you get them for me I do a 30 minute window after all of that chaos where they get to watch one show and I get to go take a bath because for me, even when I have my kids, that doesn't mean that I don't still take time for myself because some people are like, how do you do anything when you have your kids? Because you only have them 50% of the time. And I'm like, if I don't give myself transition periods to go from that chaotic, frenetic energy of tasks I can't get into that like maternal warmth present mode for bedtime and bedtime for me is a very, very sacred time because my kids are getting older and I, I tuck each one in bed individually and we talk like I'll do the, the little one first and you know, he just wants to read books and cuddle. Great. Then I go to the middle one and we always do a check-in. We say, what was your highest point of today? What was your lowest point of the day? We'll read books and then we'll talk about something. And then my oldest is now getting it very, very like, so mom, did you go on a date this week? Like she's getting very invested in my like personal life because my ex has, you know, has moved on. And I think my oldest is now like, what now mom's turn. And I'm just like, slow down there. (laughs) But, and she's a girl. So it's like one of those things where they're getting to that age of like, Ooh, boys. Ooh, what's, you know, what's all this? Yeah. She's starting to watch like the TV show. Well, turning red, the Disney show Uh, that came out is like them being boy crazy. And my oldest, I will say like, she is starting to notice. And so, yeah, it's, it's fun, but my weeks without the kids are, I work during the day and yes, I maybe have more free time, but like, I still just like go to the gym and I work and then I come home and maybe I'll squeeze dinners in dates in. But like the best thing is that I can travel for work or for play, but mostly work right now. So if I need to go to LA for press or for we have investors in LA. I'm actually going to see you, I think in LA in a couple of weeks, I'll be at mom. Mom Oh yeah. (laughs) Yes. But 
I can make it a substantial trip where I get a lot of things done, which I think when you are a parent, you're like, I just got to go in and out because I got to get home as fast as humanly possible. Where if you can be a little bit more intentional about a trip, it may save you trips down the road. But like, we feel all this guilt of like, we must get back like so quickly. And that's been one thing that I've noticed has been helpful in my, my work life. So I wanted to paint a picture of what 2020 looked like, because I know you were, you just out of a divorce. You have your three kids full time. You are starting a company, but you're also working full time. Yes. And for a lot of moms, that actually is their reality of I'm a mom. I have all these like things, but I also have a job because we need to put food on the table. But I also have these dreams and aspirations of starting something and how your dream came about, like, you know, through all of that. I don't think I'm going to go into as much because I want to more see like, how did you figure out and structure how to actually launch this, how to get it off the ground while dealing with all of this stuff? You know, what did the behind the scenes look like? Did you also have childcare help? How involved was your ex? I mean, there are a lot of moms who can be like, I'm in her shoes, but I can't take the next step forward because I don't know what to do. Yeah. So, I mean, 2020, (laughs) (sighs) It's like, you think back and you're like, wow, those are some dark times. So the start of the pandemic, I actually lived with my ex-husband for uh, a couple months because we were like, we don't know what we're going to do. Like no one warns you or trains you about how to survive a pandemic and a divorce. So fast forward to, we got a COVID house, AKA in Charlotte, North Carolina, I moved there with my three kids so we could have some space. The climate was a little bit more temperate. For anybody that didn't know, I was in New York City when COVID happened. And we were in a tiny apartment with three kids on Zooms, plus me working for the knot. Like it was miserable and also just dangerous because we didn't know if the kids could touch an elevator button and like do all that stuff. So I'm in this house. I had hired two 20, a 23, two 23-year-olds. I think they were both 23 at the time. Two 23-year-old girls. One had just graduated with a teaching degree, but had never taught before in her life. But she wasn't going to go get a teaching job because who would yeah. want to start <laughs> doing that? And then the other one had just left and had been a nanny for a while, but had just left her, her previous role and hired them to do two things. One... Caitlin, who is now lead social media for House of Wise. She was my nanny. Oh my goodness. I never knew that. (laughs) Yes. So the girl who's doing all of our memes, she basically is like, I can't do life without her. So she's my personal assistant slash she leads social media slash when I have to travel and I need the kids to come with me, she comes with me. And she literally like, does all the doctor's appointment bookings. She knows the kids. She knows me. I'll be like, Hey, I have hemorrhoid. Can you book something? Like she's like that person (laughs) that you're like, you know, everything about me. And she always will just be like, I'll add it to the book. Like she's like your chief of staff, but for life, like for everything. Yes. (laughs) Yes. She's amazing. And she's hilarious. But so she was in charge of Grayson from 8am to 3pm. Now, Chessie, the other one with a teaching degree, her and I sat down and worked through a curriculum together. And we Montessori school taught the two girls together. And we transformed the master bedroom in this house into a classroom, like full whiteboard. It had the little ABC border around the top. And it was a classroom. There's like a globe and whatever. 
and it was incredible. And if I had the patience and the resources, I would do that with my kids. My kids were doing Google slide presentations. They were doing Canva. Like they were learning all this fun stuff that were like life skill things. But so for a year, I just said, I don't fucking care if they know how to multiply and divide. I just want them to like learning because they hated Zoom. And my oldest has sensory processing disorder. So sitting in front of a computer all day was like the worst thing for her. So I was like, we're, we're just focusing on fun for a year. Like, let's have some fun. They would take field trips, et cetera. And were they still like, you know, you guys had split. Were they feeling anything because their father was now still in New York? They didn't show it. Honestly, they had so the kids are so resilient when they have support. So they had three women basically raising them that were the most loving hands on. We would celebrate every holiday in a big way. Like it was so fun. So picture that happening. So Chessie's got the two girls doing school. Caitlin's got Grayson doing little two year old activities, potty training him. I'm up in my bedroom working on my computer, launching House of Wise, building House of Wise. We would have four to five neighborhood moms in our garage at any time, stuffing the boxes for House of Wise because they were shipping from the garage. So they would come through the house with their masks on and go up to the bedroom and get more labels or get more stuff. And I'm just on a call. like. And were you still working at the knot at this time? So how we transitioned, I worked at the knot until October 1st. So House of Wise didn't launch to the public until December 1st. But what I did was I took a six month interim CMO position for another startup because again, I'm a single mom, I'm providing for my kids. So I couldn't leave and just have no health insurance and no income. And we hadn't raised a big round of capital. So I wasn't paying myself. And so the way we split that up is two days a week, two and a half days a week, I was CMO and it was time blocked. And then the other two and a half days I worked at House of Wise and I would just do the other two nights. I would just like check emails, see what I needed to do, but we hadn't launched yet. Where it was really tough was January, February, March of 2021, when I was still CMO two and a half days, we were live. We had launched the company. Products are going out. And you still were had your kids full time. Yeah. Wow. So I wanted to also, I guess, on that note, ask is CBD. I know you were like, you know, you went to it instead of drinking and, and all of that. But like you had no background in CBD. You had no like scientific background. You didn't really like that wasn't your like jam beforehand in terms of like what you did for a career. So like to moms out there who are like, I have this great idea because I like this, but I mean, that's an actual product you have to formulate. How did you start even exploring that and figuring out even where to go? Because that's kind of also capital intensive. So where does a mom go for something like that? Okay. All right. So let's get tactical for a second. So I'll share what I did. I nerded out, obviously, for about six months, I was just learning about cannabinoids, what they do, the difference between THC and CBD, what is the CB1, CB2 receptors that are inside of our ourselves. Like I was getting very, very nerdy, getting very close to, there's a lot you do before you even put out a dollar, right? You get all the way to the 10 yard line to say, I know exactly what I want my product to be 
what ingredients I'd like it to be based on what I'm learning about, what form, meaning like, do you want it as a powder? Do you want it as a gummy? Do you want it as this? You get it to all the specifications that you want. Then you start researching chemists and contract manufacturers. First, you have to find the formula and chemists do that in, in contract manufacturers. And so you can, you can start to ask around and say, Hey, I'm looking for someone to help me develop X. And you start to research that. Then you work with that person to start to formulate the, the, and now just a question, like, where do you go to ask? <laughs> I'm like, you know, where Google, do you, honestly, Google, you yeah. can start with Google. Like you could literally be like, I want to create a face lotion. Who are the leading contract manufacturers for leading beauty brands? You can literally start Googling that stuff. If you're connected, you can even reach out to, if you go to Crunchbase or AngelList, look at some like seed stage beauty brands that have products on the market, but they are junior young. They will tell you, because you don't want to go to a series A, series B company because they're way further along. Their contract manufacturers are probably bigger. You may not be able to afford them. They're going to have a huge MOQ. MOQ means minimum order quantity. So go to the seed stage startups that have products and say, Hey, I'm looking for a contract manufacturer for X product. Do you know anyone? And you can DM them on social. You could DM them personally as a founder and you just keep shooting your shot until you get there. Like, that's what I did. I, I didn't know exactly who to go for cannabis, but by the time you start, like, just like putting one DM out there and then another email, you just eventually doors start to open and then base pairing that with your research. So then you get to a formula that you like. Then you find, you go to contract manufacturing. So then somebody's going to actually manufacture that product. There's different terms like co-packer, contract manufacturer, co-packer is like the one that's actually putting the product together, meaning in your cartons, et cetera. But like V1 of the House of Wise cartons, I did. Like I called some packaging company. The prices were horrible. Like I didn't realize I was paying like three times. They totally. Well, cause it's economies of scale too. It's like, I just want sure. like, and yeah. I just had no clue what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> but, um, and then I learned like even the V1 of my packaging learned that like the way I had designed it, I was like, I just want a house and <laughs> didn't have any other like thoughts. I was just like, just make it look like a house, please. And then it was not scalable. It was not temper evident. Like there were so many things wrong with it, but you learn, like you learn along the way. But did you also like with that product, like test the market in terms of if there's even a need for it or not even a need, like a demand for it. Like before you started creating this and pouring yourself, like I know you really want it because you love it. How did you kind of test your market? I mean, luckily that's my background, right? So I've been a marketer for 15 years. So when you are thinking about, is there a market for this? You look at industry statistics, you look at the tailwinds of the industry, like what are the leading indicators that you think that this industry will continue to grow? Cause that's what investors are going to want to see. CBD, we saw like the projected market size is massive over the next couple of years, even though it was like it passed in 2017 with the farm bill. What happened was in 2017, there was like a spike. All these players came because they were just white labeling every single like oil they could get their hands on. And then quality went like out the door. No, there wasn't a lot of quality products. So thus those products are now gone and now there's space 
for a brand. And what I did was I would do research where I'd survey like, you know, a hundred women personally through an email, or I'd go to my Twitter because I have like way more followers on Twitter. So I would survey people and say, name a leading like unaided brand awareness. Like, can you name three leading CBD companies? And they couldn't. And I was like, okay, so there are no leading brands. Great. That means that there's an opportunity there. So I think for people who are thinking about building a product, do some of that market research, find who your competitors would be, plot out what are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? How are you going to be different? Because every time I pitch an investor, they're going to say another CBD brand or another like, well, they're going to yeah. just say, wow, that's a very diluted market. How are you going to be different? You'll get that question a ton, but like go to Target and look at how many hairspray companies there are. Like deodorant, there's still new deodorant companies coming out. Tampons, like the, like things that have been around, we're still launching new brands in those spaces. So just remind yourself of that, but you have to have those answers to those frequently asked questions of like, why are you going to be different and what makes you different and how can you defend that? But yeah, you market size it. You can find reports easily when you Google things like industry statistics. Sometimes you pay like $50 to get the report breakdown of who's buying the products. And I also saw that right now the, the market for CBD was like 45 and up because they were the ones using it for like topicals for pain relief and less about the industry. And same, I think, I feel like it was a majority male versus female yes. use. Yes. So like on that note, I was kind of wondering like, how can you, like with your product, how can you tell what's a good CBD? Like, so now you differentiate yourself by brand and kind of your brand messaging. But like when you're looking at products, you know, you knew what you wanted, kind of the formula, but how do you know, like what makes a good CBD? Like, what should I be looking for when I'm like looking for a CBD product? So if someone's new to the CBD world, it's really, really tough. And I did a lot of that legwork because after my divorce, the origin of House of Wise, and we won't go into it, is just like high level. I was dealing with postpartum depression and anxiety, needed something that was not my glass of wine because that was hurting me and started trying a bunch of different CBD companies that frankly didn't either not work or made me groggy, or I had a few that would give me literally bloodshot eyes. Oh my gosh. Like you're actually high. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, "Mm, I'm not trying to look like I have the munchies at 9am in the morning. So when you're looking for a trusted CBD brand, you have to actually peel back the layers, which is why they don't sell it at like Target. They don't sell ingestibles at Target because you have to get familiar with where do they source from and do they do lab testing, which they all should, but the FDA can't keep up with how many companies there are. And for me, the number one thing I looked for was, do they have a research lab? And most CBD companies do not have research labs because in the United States, the FDA, the powers that be won't put funding behind CBD research because if you look at the numbers of how much money they're making on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medicine, plant-based alternatives don't get a lot of funding in the United States because insert all the things that you'd want to say there. So I actually found my hemp provider They are the leading research lab in Israel. 
And they happened to have, they brought their whole farming technology and an approach to seed science, and they have an operation outside of Denver. And when I started to see what they were doing and researching in Israel using cannabinoid strains, I was like, yes, this is the science approach that I'm looking for. Because for me, we're function first. We're not just like CBD cures all like here, try it. It's like, no, how does it work when I pair it with active ingredients for a functional benefit like sex, like libido? How does it work for pre-workout, for example? And so they actually have the chemists and they're, they're going deeper. They're looking at like, how do we treat IBS with cannabinoids? Because we know that, you know, cancer patients use THC medical cannabis for nausea, but there are different cannabinoid strains that actually help with your stomach. And so I take CBD. If anybody ever gets anxiety or hungover or nauseous, or even that time of the month when you're like feeling that nauseous and you're like, Oh, CBD helps with all that. I think you need to add that as one of your pillars, like not just sex, sleep, and you know, you need to, Oh, yay. I use your sleep one. I love it. I use the the drops and stuff. I can't use the entire thing because for me, it's a little much, but... Yeah, you have to find your dose. Yeah. Yeah, but it's the only thing that has made me... I've tried other brands and some of them make me literally like feel almost like high actually, or like just very almost too calm. And so I'm curious that like, what are the ways moms can use it in their lives? Like, should we be taking it daily? Should we not be taking it in the morning when we have to do all these things? Like, you know, besides anxiety, how does it help uh, moms? Yeah. Well, so I'll answer it in the nerdy way because I'm a nerd. No. And I love that because I love data and science. So (laughs) go the nerdy route. In the 2000, like 2000s, I think it was like 2009 to be exact, scientists discovered we have inside of us an endocannabinoid system called the ECS. No one knew we had this thing. So we actually have cannabinoids naturally occurring inside of us. And the best way to understand the role of the ECS is, and shout out to Cassie. I was just on a retreat with her this weekend. She gave me this analogy and I'm obsessed with it. So I'm using it is a thermostat. Our ECS, when you're too hot, it helps you regulate it and bring it back down. If you're too cold, it helps, you know, bring, turn up the heat and bring you back to to equilibrium. And our ECS does that with our central nervous system. So when we are overstimulated and overactive and a lot of that anxiety and frenetic energy, you ingest more CBD. Thus it will tell that ECS system to bring it back down into equilibrium. And same with like low, if you're feeling low, it'll help bring it up. And so it's really an adaptogen, really it's understanding what your body needs. And so should you take it every day? I I'm a firm believer that you should take CBD every day because it keeps that thermostat set at that perfect temperature for you. Then you can add a little more. If it starts to get a little hot out, you can add a little less, you know, if you start to, you know, need less. But for me, there are so many different functional benefits. And that's why we have the four product lines of sleep, sex, stress, strength to show that when it's combined with active ingredients, it heightens the effects of the active ingredients. Thus you need less of them. So our strength series is a pre-workout and people are like, CBD is supposed to make you sleepy. Yeah. That's what I was curious. I feel like it would just make you so relaxed and kind of not 
not into that power through. <laughs> CBD alone doesn't just make you like relax. It helps you if you're overstimulated to bring you back down. But what happens is it has such a powerful binding ability that it binds to the caffeine that we've put in the strength gummy. And we only have 60 milligrams, which is less than a cup of coffee, but it heightens the effects of it. And it makes it feel like so much more without any jitters, without it affecting your sleep. So I, I am, I am a huge sleep cheerleader, whatever, like sleep is so important to me. And I, those pre-workouts that are like 200 grams or milligrams of caffeine, I'm like, dude, if I took that, like I'm not no explode. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sleeping for a week, but yeah. So when you combine CBD with an active ingredient, it's like an enhancer. Exactly. Exactly. Which is good to know because honestly, I've been terrified. Of, I, I own your sex gummies and I've been terrified of trying one. Cause I was like, am I just going to pass out? Like, I'm like, if I take it, no. am I just going to fall asleep before it kicks in? No, I thought I was going to totally this- relax. <laughs> so well, you I, will get it out of your head. <laughs> okay. That's the thing that like, so it's like these gummies are to some, like some women, they're like, oh my gosh, that was like the heightened sensitivity, et cetera. And some women are like, I was able to get out of my head. Like everybody's experience with the gummy is different because how your body reacts to active ingredients is different. But for me, the sex gummy is probably our most important one because we live in a society that we have been taught as women that truly, truly sex is for someone else's pleasure. Meaning in a heteronormative relationship, meaning a man and a woman, sex ends when he gets off. And usually that's not enough time for a woman to get adequately warmed up. It takes us literally 30 to 40 minutes is what our in-house sex therapist has said. Takes women 30 to 40 minutes to get fully, fully turned on. How many people are having 30 to 40 minutes of sex? If you're a parent, probably like 1% if you're lucky. (laughs) Exactly. When you think about it in that way, we've kind of just trained ourselves to say, "Mm, this isn't for me. This is for someone else. And then you don't put that as a priority. But pleasure is really, really important because of the biological things. It releases serotonin and oxytocin. It helps with your immune system. But it also is a signal to yourself that when you do make time for self-love, whether with a partner or without, that you deserve it. You deserve to feel good. And it unlocks other things that people don't realize. Like It's so easy to say, let's put that one last on the to-do list. But actually, if you bumped it up, you might actually feel better about the other things in your life. And so the gummy first, the CBD gets you kind of, we operate in our head like 98% of the time. Right. So getting back into your body is the hardest part. And so the CBD gets you out of your head into your body. And then what happens with the active ingredients are they increase blood flow Thus, like if you increase blood flow, you'll feel things more sensitively. And then there is an active ingredient that increases lubrication. So all those things combined are both the emotional, the psychological, and then the physical aspects of needing to experience pleasure. Wow. That's incredible. And I'm like, so, so I guess I will try it, Um, (laughs) but I know we're getting close on time. I wanted to end with a couple, like with a few last questions. Um, I know you said sleep is extremely important to you. What time do you 
Go to bed. What time do you get up in the morning? When I have my kids, I go to bed at 8.30. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's amazing. Because I love sleep. Um, I get up early. So I may, I'll, I'll try to do a 5am to 7am work sprint most days. Cause that's when I get my big thinking done. That's where I work on projects. That's where I think through a campaign or a launch or something that I need like full thought on. So yeah, when I don't have my kids, it's 10. Like I, it would need to be a rare occasion that I am like, out in Napa with my best girlfriends, like to stay up past 10. (laughs) (laughs) And then what is something you do for yourself daily, like every day to help with your own wellness besides maybe taking CBD? (laughs) Um, Yeah. CBD is in one. Um, so I have to take a bath every night. Like there is something about the bathtub for me that I view as my Superman telephone booth like Clark Kent goes in there and becomes Superman. The bathtub is my portal. So I use it for, if I have to go from work mode to mom mode, and I'm really, really like in my masculine energy all day. Like if it's a tough day and I'm having to be very, very aggressive, that's hard to then turn to your four-year-old and be like, come here, like come snuggle mommy. Like, no, I, I can't do that. And so I go to my portal, which is my bathtub, and I'll take like the 10 minute bath just to like, uh, it's like my transition time. Same with like, say I'm going on a date. Maybe I got a babysitter, say I, or it's like a non from work to date mode. I take a bath before and I'm like, okay, now I'll like listen to different kinds of music and I'll like, you know, maybe pop a sex gummy and get into that headspace. But for me, the bath is like my portal to transitioning. And I am intentional. I'm like, I will come out of this bathtub and this is who I, what the role I'm playing now. I love that. It's almost like a totem, like a, a <laughs> do you do that when you travel too? Yeah. Yeah. I have to, like, it's weird or a shower, but showers just don't do it for me. It's a bath. Like I need to sit and if and I have little rituals, like of things I do, depending on which role I want to be in when I come out of the bathtub and life is not neat, right? Like obviously you sometimes have to play two roles at once, but like, it's nice to have intention around which role you're leaning into at any given time. That's beautiful. And to wrap things up, what do you think is your superpower you gained once you became a mom that makes you better in either business or life? I don't place as much emotional attachment to my career. I care deeply But at the end of the day, if it all goes away, I have three amazing children that I am taking care of. So I like can zoom out really easily and things don't make me spiral. I love that. I think you once talked about like a 10, 10, 10 thing you do and it kind of goes in line with that. Can you just share a quick thing on like what that is? Because I really, I took that in and it's in my toolkit of things I think about. Oh, that makes me so happy. (laughs) Yeah. So I use 10, 10, 10. You can pick your tens, um, but you say, will this matter in 10 hours, 10 days, 10 months, 10 years? And you, you really, really size your emotional reaction to it. Like you may say, yeah, this thing happened in 10 hours. I might still be pretty upset about this thing. You know, like something bad happened at work 10 hours. I'm probably still going to be wrecked. 
then you get to 10 months and you're like, I might not even remember what this thing was. Like, and you're like, okay, I will size my emotional reaction to the 10 hour grouping and say, I'll be a little pissed off, but like, I'm not going to like completely throw off my entire life right now. I love that. Well, where can we find you online? So on Instagram is where I share more of my like mom life, you know, behind the scenes stuff. And that's gets AM G O E T Z A M. Twitter is where I share a lot more of the building of the company and how I think about marketing strategies and fundraising and all those things. And that's just at Amanda M gets. I love that you actually use social media for different things, like the intention behind the different accounts. That's great. And then also check out House of Wise, obviously, and buy her CBD products. They're amazing. They worked wonders on me. And I'm so excited. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. This is so fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time.